This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio program on Community Radio 3CR 855am, digital live streaming and a whole plethora of ways to listen to 3CR. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last hour of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, well, a little show about cycling and related transport issues coming to you from Melbourne, Australia and especially from the studios of 3CR and a fair bit of news and events around at the moment and we have a special guest in the studio today. Hi there. Uh, Rachel and you're from? I uh, am from the new Sustainable Cities initiative um, through Friends of the Earth and we are working to help transform Melbourne's transport system. At the moment lots of problems going on so how can we um, look to improve that and cycling obviously being a big part of that. Yeah it's like uh, we can't kind of look at cycling unfortunately in Melbourne without trying to have a look at some of the bigger um, transport and planning issues and it's like it's I know from long experience we get pushed to the being marginalised in terms of either funding or being seen as a serious transport option so that's something we would have a chat about because this leads out of other campaigns that we've seen recently in Melbourne to do around transport issues and uh, another one where uh, big you know broad issues that are happening at the moment um, intersect with cycling well I haven't got it right in front of me but I'll do my best to describe this Last week in America, we saw another one of these horrific school shootings. And uh, I think the tide has really started to turn on this, where large companies are either dumping or getting rid of the NRA uh, membership and or sponsorship. And uh, one of these I saw yesterday was Hertz. Um, That's a a name you probably think would never be mentioned on the show, but uh, they've they've dumped uh, some of their... Um, I think they're, they're packages that they have with membership of the NRA and where I'm going with this is that Bike Biz UK last week mentioned that there's some very large brands that are held by another big holding company which produces uh, munitions and um, ammo and guns and uh, sorry that I don't have the Pacific names in front of me but there is a rush on at the moment to divest like hell out mm. of um, NRA stuff or anything to do with guns and semi-automatics and all those things that from an Australian perspective we find quite perverse <laughs> and I noticed that uh, locally that VeloCycles have put out a statement saying they're investigating the linkages from an Australian perspective because it's another thing uh, I'm a little bit hesitant to mention stuff on air where in Australia there may be a different context for either the ownership and or importing I'm not saying I'm trying to be a fence sitter but I prefer to have things from you know this brand has been is apparent or is being owned by this parent company, and I would like to, you know, 
make sure that uh, anything I say on here would be correct. But probably we'll follow that up in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Because those, those high school students, yeah, everyone goes, ah, oh, kids, I think I like to think of them as more as young adults. Mm. They're really um, incredible. Some of the stuff I've been watching in the last week since this has happened um, of like, you know, taking on the full brunt of, you know, some of the, you know, absolutely bizarre convoluted stuff they've got there to do you know some of the right-wing trolls and that coming out against some of these kids so they're they're crisis actors or they're this or they're that it's going no cold hard logic dictates that i would like to go to high school i would like to get an education and no i don't want to be killed indeed you'd think it would be common sense and i think it's really interesting to see yeah people standing up making their voices heard really engaging in what is meant to be a democratic kind of system where people's voices can be heard and I think we see that here in Australia as well where a lot of people talk about young people not being engaged in our political sphere or political process but actually they are and they are very interested and more and more are um, perhaps in different ways than traditionally previous generations have Um, but yeah it's a really important part to be um, listening to those voices and and seeing what they want want you know, their future to look like. Yeah, because uh, I was taking the perspective of like our media landscape is really like atomized and diversified and it's really hard for someone to, you know, like a mainstream media outlet to go, oh, we have finger on the pulse of this issue and something that, you know, it's been bubbling along for quite a while to do along with, as I was saying to you earlier about cycling, everyone's going, oh, why bother? Because, you know, you're just so marginalised and this city is taken over by shiny metal lozenges, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> why should we even bother talking about this when we're so marginalised? And I'm seeing this process happening again with local councils where they say lots of nice things about cycling, but when it really comes to either construction, yeah. budgeting, the rest of it, it looks like uh, there's some pretty conservative elements within their road management departments. That's certainly, yeah, what I've kind of been seeing as, I guess, someone, you know, fresh to the scene Mm. down here in Melbourne and particularly around transport. And a lot of these, you know, transport plans and cycling strategies and, you know, um, healthy visions of getting people moving, Mm. they're all there. They've they've done the work. They've, you know, paid the um, consultants and done their um, community consultation and they've got it all together. But then... It doesn't go any further. It just gets filed away on a shelf or sits there. And oh, yeah. the funding for it, the, you know, prioritisation of construction and, you know, building of mm. this, the um, infrastructure that needed is needed, as well as the other side of it, the um, ways in which we can encourage and, you know, provide services to increase confidence and skills and and make sure that more people are, you know, jumping on their bike when when the opportunity arises. Mm. That side of things just doesn't seem to have quite clicked into place. <laughs> well, I say there's running interference here where they don't want it to run into place. Oh, you know, it's um, it's seen as, you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at it or several ways of looking at it. One is that cycling is seen as something infantile, you should get a job, you should, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the other thing where um, other people actually probably see it as a real threat. And... I see it constantly, you know, dealing with, you know, local councils and the like. Some of them are actually quite good. There's one that's very close to this station, which is um, I'm on the verge of declaring war on because um, I've just had enough of of watching things just get uh, smothered and suffocated and a lot of, uh, how we could put it, bureaucratic garbage Mm. going on and then there's no real outcomes. And the thing about cycling is that it's not just the act of riding a bike and freeing up 
um, roads and having a better lifestyle, I see it as a social thing where it's more equitable if mm. you are capable of finding a more, uh, you know, something that, you know, your lifestyle is or the way you get around can be um, improved without having to go in the whole thing of, you know, buying a car and all the things that go around um, servicing this massive debt you have in your life. And, again, out of suburbs, you're stuffed. You, mm. you have to, you yeah. know, three, four, five car households. It's... It's yeah. horrifying. Well, getting where people need to go, you know, yeah. into the city for work or, you know, across town to the school or mm. um, for sporting events or, mm. you know, whatever um, is going on in people's lives. We haven't prioritised making it possible for anything exactly. other than jumping in the car. You haven't given people choice and this is something that uh, gets thrown back, you know, the incredi- incredibly uh polarised thing that I've seen kind of kick off in the last 15 years or whatever time thing you want to put on about calling people lefties or right wing and all this sort of stuff. And I have, you know, previous to all this whole kind of, you know, conservative stuff that's kind of impinged upon our political debates, I never saw language like that. And I think it's symptomatic of something so much larger. It's resource wars and, you know, population increases and things get really drilled down to the personal quite quickly but the personal is also a good way if you know where I'm, I'm riffing on a bit and going right away from cycling but you've probably seen this in debates do around public transport or uh, cycling or building more roads it comes down to someone's opinion is more important than um, study detailed analysis yeah the experts don't seem to hold the power of being able to provide their expert opinion anymore and I think what you know you're expressing and a lot of people are expressing it that Everyone's really frustrated with this and, mm. you know, d- this isn't the way that we want to be living our city, living in our city. And I think that, yeah, we're kind of at this real moment in which at Crossroads where, you know, where do we want to go? Mm. Which way could we go? Do we keep going down this way in which, you know, experts aren't listened to, community concerns aren't, um, you know, valid anymore? And, yeah, we're just, yeah, alternatively we could really make those things front and centre and actually start, you know, bringing our city back into the, the city that we want to be living in. Exactly. Okay, we'll take a quick break and be back in a moment with Rachel talking about Sustainable Cities campaign. Why do you reckon people should subscribe to 3CR? Because I think we have more awesome music shows than anywhere else. And they're niche and they're interesting and they're adventurous. Tracer, the perfect companion in your car on your road trip. If you're on digital, mm. no tram interference. Mm. But if you're streaming, there's no tram interference. No, that's true. But if you like that's tram correct. interference, is always the AM. The AM, old school. <laughs> oh, who oh. Like, you know, some people like the crackle on vinyl. Well, yeah, some, some people like noise music. Experimental mm-hmm. noise music. To subscribe to 3CR, unwaged is $35. Yes. yes. Waged? 75 And solidarity? 150 $1.50. That's pretty reasonable to help keep 3CR on air. Call 3CR 94198377 and... Subscribe. Subscribe today. Subscribe now. And you're back listening to 3CR. This is Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio. We're having a chatting to Rachel about Friends of the Earth 
uh, the Sustainable Cities campaign. Rachel, do you want to give a little bit of a background uh, to this? Because I could chuck in a little bit about things previous to it, but... Yeah, so Friends of the Earth been here in Melbourne for decades working across the state on lots of different issues around the environment, a lot of renewable energy kind of initiatives and things. And in the last year started having a bit of a chat about, well, what's actually going on here in our city? At the moment, we've got a huge amount of population growth, a lot of changes to our city. And really, yeah, seeing that previous governments after previous government has really failed to plan for this growth and implement a sustainable transport system to really address the traffic congestion that as anyone here who has ventured out of their home has probably stumbled across, be it in your car or, you know, riding your bike past all the parked cars or on a tram stuck behind all the traffic, in a bus stuck in the traffic. It's, you know, a bit of at crisis point kind of now and Mm. only set to get worse with more and more roads kind of on the table. The only choice that a lot of people has, as we were saying, is to jump in the car. In the suburbs, we generally haven't planned for anything except, yeah, cars to get us to where we need to be. And that, yeah, doesn't provide us with the equitable kind of city that we want to be seeing. Year after year, we've seen, you know, governments change, but nothing change in terms of the policies around what our transport system is going to look like. And so we kind of said, well, we've come to this point, you know, if the political leaders aren't going to do this, then we're going to get involved and, you know, get started on on tackling this. So we've been, yeah, working across community group, different transport academics and planners, urban planners, different business holders who are, you know, really looking for, for different solutions to to the city's transport problems you know we're really stepping up to address that political failure that institutional failure that we're seeing right from planning all the way through to yeah construction of more and more bigger and bigger roads and real lack of investment for decades in our public transport system in creating safe infrastructure for bike riding and walking and creating that healthier kind of lifestyle that we could be having having So we've kind of kicked it off a couple of weeks ago. As 2018 Parliament came back, we launched the Get On Board Community Powered Transport Plan that really looks at creating a healthier, fairer and more connected Melbourne. And it's got a range of different um, initiatives, but really what what is central to it is the the government's failed to consult properly with us and so what we're doing throughout 2018 is going out and running that consultation and talking to citizens all across the city we've you know talked out out west in Spotswood and Altona and up north in Bulleen and Banyul and down south and around Mordialic, you know, all across there's different groups who are springing up who are starting these conversations in their local community to say what do those solutions look like? You know, where are those missing bike paths or where are, you know, buses that don't run often enough or don't, you know, fail to meet the train that everyone needs to get on board? So we're kind of, yeah, going to be running this citizen consultation throughout 2018 so everyone can get involved and, and really create the plan, the people's kind of plan. And along the way, get, you know, thousands of people signed on and the more and more people that we have on board the more and more that the politicians have to listen and have to start implementing some of those ideas. And this is quite fortuitous. This is occurring in a Victorian election, state election year. Absolutely. It gives an added 
incentive for political leaders to be listening and to be following through on those commitments. Will you be but doing, we know, yeah, sorry, but are you doing something like a scorecard? Potentially, yeah, yeah. Closer to the election, we'll see where different commitments have got to. I think the important thing is that we know that all of the decades of problems that we've got here in Melbourne won't be able to be fixed in a single year, that this is actually about shifting us in the right direction and, and, and continuing that pressure for years to come as we gradually get back on track and, and start yeah shifting some of that narrative from roads are the only option to what options do we have on the table? And in some cases, you know, a road might be part of that question, but it won't be the only solution. It won't be the way that we fix most of our transport problems here in Melbourne. Because <laughs> mm, a case in point is the Westgate Tunnel, which was a bit of a bait and switch, really, because you know first it was on the table that something around the western you know area to do with Westlink, to mm. do with East Westlink Stage Two, then the Western Distributor. Then it was a bait and switch to this completely different project for the western suburbs which was an unsolicited bid from Transurban and case in point what you've just been discussing is really we've completely capitulated to mm. you know private organizations dictating our road policy and by you know direct reference to that cycling gets more and more pushed mm. I mean I've seen that many you know the, the public consultation you know there's another one sitting in front of me for northeast link road yeah. authority there's a bicycle workshop and it just smacks to me of like what east west link was going to do with their cycle spiral they're going to tack on the end of it which in point if they'd ever built the thing would have completely mucked up the wellington street separated lanes which is you know again is stagnated and also about 13 or Baker's Dozen of cross streets across mm. Yarra, which would have completely stuffed uh, cycling in this area. And there's this kind of like we're not thinking fully. We're not – there's no, um, you know, for want of a better thing, some holistic mm. look at the way we do planning and how it impinges upon other people. Yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah, not clear about how building a, a mega freeway toll road will – the way in which it's presented is we'll give you this road, but oh, sorry, we'll build this road, but then on the side we'll give you some bike paths. Oh, and it, and it shouldn't it shouldn't be <laughs> we have to accept one to get the other. Yeah, yeah. You know, we deserve safe bike infrastructure. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's like with um, again Westgate Westgate Tunnel. You know, tacked on the end of it is this uh, raised velo way for mm. Footscray Road. And like I used to ride Footscray Road a fair bit, and I think you know some of the alignments and stuff down there's changed a bit because I used to pop out the end of. Mm. Ponds Creek. I was looking at some of the plans and I, I, I actually do know where it, the original idea kind of came from, but it's like, yeah, like it's clear you just that. just don't get it. It's not fit for purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's clear that, like, yeah, some kind of better, you know, bike path or infrastructure, something along there, you know, would be great and probably mm. get more people riding and. Mm. But to to mean that you have to also build a six lane flyover along Footscray Road and yeah, <laughs> widen the freeway and <laughs> do this and we'll give you a pat on the head. And the thing is, uh, it's, it's the thing that I find, I find astonishing is the absolute lack of imagination or and or you know kind of willing to spend any political capital. I don't know what it's like in the rest of Melbourne, but in a city Melbourne, I can't go anywhere without tripping over a bloody transport expert or someone who knows something about psyching advocacy. Exactly. And it's just this absolute ignorance. And I think because it's mm. a capitulation to corporates, okay, how can this get on board campaign pull people in? Can you give some working examples of where you want to go with this campaign? 
where do you see the legacy of this going? You're seeing like um, communities who are like they want to cut through the you know the, the, the knot of all the stuff that local council and or Vic Rhodes and or Luke Donlan's office have said. Oh, have this. Be happy. Be smiley. Mm. And it's like no, it's not. I can't get to work like this. It's impossible. Yeah. Okay. I guess a great kind of case study that we looked at and kind of is one part of the broader plan was around buses and out in Brimbank. They did a great consultation process there with the community, with Public Transport Victoria, because at the moment, or, or previous to to this consultation, the, the bus company kind of determined their route, a private company, and they were compensated by how many kilometres they travelled. So for them, it was really incentivising having longer routes, yeah. which is often what you find on the bus. It goes a very, you know, windy roundabout way. But when they actually talked to people, you know, the residents who lived around there, there were some who, who valued that kind of that kind of route, but there were a lot of people who were just really looking for a route directly to the train station. So what this consultation kind of resulted in was they shifted the way in which bus network operated and created kind of a two-tier system. So they had the sharp, kind of direct, fast, regular services that got people from main roads down to the train station so that people who wanted to jump on the train had the option of getting the bus there as opposed to driving to the crowded car parks. But then it also maintained a kind of longer, more windy kind of route to to pick up people who maybe couldn't walk as far to the bus stop or had more time on their hands who wanted to get to like the local shops or the schools as opposed to just to the train station. And so that way it was meeting kind of the needs of both members of the community or all members of the community. And the way in which they did that was, you know, actually talking to people and listening to that and then implementing it. And they've seen, you know, real uptakes in the patronage of the bus service there. So there's great case studies like this. How can we talk to other council areas and get them on board with also implementing these kind of great initiatives across Melbourne, depending on what you know, local communities need. Yeah, because the, the issue being too is that it's a big issue is the timelines. Someone comes up with an idea, it runs through various stages of planning and implementation through the state government or and or federal government and you have these long, long timelines where something else, you know, to build it, mm, you know, a big yeah. project or get something going and while something else is happening in that actual area and yeah. this is where bringing in you know, cycling routes, bus routes, which is, you know, really rapid implementation yeah. can, you know, while, while this other timeline is unrolling in the background. But from a Melbourne perspective, further out in some of the roads, it's just hideous. Mm. There is no alternative. Now, how can you have a breakthrough message into some of these areas where, you know, like it's just cars? <laughs> I think, yeah, it's tricky and like we just have to go out there and talk to people because people are looking for other options. When when some of the outer suburb, when train stations are opened there, immediately they're some of the biggest, busiest stations. The car park is overcrowding with people wanting to jump on that train. The demand is there. Mm. People aren't just given that choice. And certainly, yeah, for local kind of trips and and ways to get around the suburb, building in that bike infrastructure, you know, if we're building new suburbs, if we're, you know, establishing more and more residential areas around Melbourne, Mm. then providing that infrastructure so that people can ride to local shops and have access to, you know, local shops and schools and, and use their bike to get there or walk there using those, like, healthier options. Yeah, because I guess we had on the show a couple of times over the years, uh, but last year, David Blom, 
brought up a really good rapid implementation of cycling routes by using known service roads. Oh, okay. And yeah. some of this is just like when you look through some of these plans, I think this is the Metro East Bicycle User Group. This could be rolled out pretty goddamn fast. I mean, invariably, mm. what we're seeing in the inner suburbs pushback against cycling is because of parking, mm. the holy sainted parking. And I think, you know, it's one of the things that I think with a lot of cycling infrastructure, we've missed the boat euphemistically to use another transport <laughs> uh, thing of people. There's There's been a demographic shift within the inner suburbs of, you know, higher development and the rest. And everyone wants their cars. Everyone wants to park right out the front. And this is why we've also been pushed to the curb. There may paradoxically be more people cycling, but there's more people who want their car right there and they will not budge. It's really hard stuff. So you've got the yeah. outer suburbs where you have virtually no alternative and the inner suburbs where there's been a demographic change and people are actually, unfortunately, are quite selfish. And you know, these are the sort of things we've got to work on. It yeah. gets to the point where, yes, I understand that you've, you know, you've paid for this or, on the other hand, with car parking, what, why should people have the ability to just park on the street this private object, bugger the consequences of anything else? It's just... Yeah, there's a lot of tensions between. It's yeah, phenomenal. It's it's probably the issue in the inner suburbs is car parking, mm. and it's such. Well, I find such a petty thing. Yeah, but it is incredibly important to people, and it's one of these issues that um, local councils just have real problems handling. How can people get involved with? Uh, get on board yeah so you can jump online to getonboard.org.au to sign up and find out more please join us at friends of the earth uh six o'clock six p.m on mondays where we have campaign catch-ups and meetings everyone's welcome to join and hear what's happening and help us out yeah because i know that moreland yeah uh, there's there's a thing for the, for the 21st of march they've got an event on yes. i haven't got it in front of me but i'll pop it pop it in the podcast and yeah, they're having a uh, public meeting um, yeah. at Brunswick Town Hall. And what time would that be? Yeah, uh, seven till nine pm. Okay, I'll make sure I'll get that into the podcast. Yeah, it's the whole thing to do with cycling that we're we're kind of like this tackle on the end. And despite this, mm. this show's been going for ten years, and we do report on porn good stuff. And you know, people having wonderful experiences like last show. We're talking about you know a, a bad thing that turned into a good thing, which is to do around the Indian Pacific wheel race being cancelled, but people still wanted to get out there mm. and ride, and they're still going to do it. And uh, Melbourne Dirt had a big fundraiser on Friday night at the spin room, and that went down really, really well. And I also went along to Dirty Deeds' first event. About a week back over at Brunswick Villadrome, we had Starcross Lovers, and that was a hell of a lot of fun. So, you know, look, people are getting out there and enjoying cycling, but the actual mm. act of riding for transport, depending where you are, is either not bad, reasonable, or I'm not even going Pretty to mention terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. And this is what we've got to change the perspective of where people have transport options. And with cycling, it should be from, a, you know, the euphemistic thing to say, it's from 8 to 80. Yes. If you don't want, you know, your friends or your your young children, your young children riding, or you don't want on the other thing of eighty year olds, therefore, you know, riding because you don't see the, you know, the environment being safe enough, it's not fit for purpose. And this is a um, complete travesty that's been pushed upon us by politicians who've just got really, really narrow focus. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, again, you know, lots whole, of work to do. Oh, there's lots of work to do, but I think that it's a Getting back to the early part of the show when we we're talking about uh, you know, NRA and uh, gun interests being under real threat in America at the moment with people divesting or getting out of shares and the like, we were in a 
pretty interesting state of flux. And I think Melbourne is in an interesting thing when it comes to transport. Sure, the state government are rolling out lots of stuff to do with, you know, level crossings and all the rest of it. But again, it's just priorities for cars. Mm. And just to look at Sydney, people are getting out because it's unlivable. Yeah. <laughs> so the get on board campaign. So you said Monday nights yes. up at Foe and I'll put the details into the podcast. Thanks, Chris. You're listening to 3CR Radio. There is power in numbers and there is power in independent, community-run media. Join the swelling number of people fighting back by becoming a member of your radical activist radio station. Show us your love and subscribe to 3CR. Call us on 9419 uh, Val and Faith will be stu- back in the studio next week. And don't forget that 3CR relies upon a subscription and donations to keep us on air. So go to 3cr.org.au and look for the subscribe or donate option. Up next is It's Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.